take a look at this. We want to see how a VPN works. I use NordVPN and there's an affiliate link in the description below which will give you over 70% discount, uh, including one month's free trial. Now, if I just, it says here unprotected. If I move it across, this is my IP address, 79.66. I'm not going to show you the whole thing. And then I go to the, uh, to the Google extension, which I've added, click on quick connect. Connected United Kingdom, your browser traffic is now secured. So my, I, now I refresh the page. Takes a moment to load. And we have a different IP address. And the status is protected. So what happens is the where I'm sending, where the traffic is going from and coming to is obscured, preventing anybody else hacking the information that I'm sending and sent that I'm sending out or receiving. So that's how an uh, VPN works. Whether or not you use my affiliate link or go to NordVPN.com yourself is up to you. If you use my link, you do get a, a discount. I recommend you use a VPN anyway. Hi everybody, this is Crypto Rich working with you to get rich with crypto, filling our pockets with crypto profits. And in this video, I am going to be talking about EOS. That's right. I don't often talk about EOS. I think that this is the first video where I've actually covered EOS. There you go, EOS, EOS t-shirt. I want an EOS t-shirt. Anyway, <laughs> before I continue and introduce my guests, I want to let you know this is not investment advice. Do your own due diligence. Do not invest any more than you can afford to lose. I do own some EOS, but that doesn't mean you should go and get some EOS, right? You've got to check it out for yourself and uh, do your own research. And please subscribe, hit the notification bell, comment, question, all of that business. Really, really helps me out, especially during the bear market. We're not quite at the at the peak yet. Soon come, soon come. Uh, all right, Stefan, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Stefan Bisson. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me uh, on your channel. You're Glad so, to be here. You're so welcome. And uh, well, let's start by saying a little bit, just a little bit about who you are and then what you sure. do and EOS and sure. things so, like that. Uh, I grew up in uh, Ottawa, Canada. Currently, I live in Montreal, Canada. And um, just a bit about something out of crypto. Uh, I lived three years out west in British Columbia and Alberta big fan of camping, hiking, snowboarding, all that good stuff. I was doing a lot of that uh, until I got into crypto two years ago. And ever since there, this is where I live. I don't see outside. And all I do is I talk, learn and discuss crypto all day, every day. And I love it. Wow. OK, so you went from wild outdoors adventures to living inside a smart contract on the blockchain. <laughs> basically, basically. I I'm hoping to break free of the smart contract <laughs> in a few years when things are rolling and everything's smooth and operating. You know, uh, hopefully I'll have more time to go back and do some more outdoor adventures. But for now, this crypto adventure is absolutely amazing and I'm having a blast. So I got into the crypto space in early 2017, uh, you know, bought my first Bitcoin. Then I was super curious, what is this all about? Rabbit hole, here we go. Come out of it super hyped for blockchain, decentralization, Bitcoin started talking to my friends about these concepts that I thought were super important. You know, the reaction I got was super positive. That's when I knew in early 2017 that this was about to get real popular. And then, of course, the run happened. Um, and, and now after and now in early 2018, I had a lot of general knowledge about a lot of projects, you know, after doing so much research for, for a full year. 
and I decided with some of my friends to really focus in on EOS. So oh my god, that, no, Stefan, but that's the wrong blockchain, isn't it? <laughs> we, don't, we don't know which one's the right blockchain or the wrong blockchain. <laughs> the score isn't written yet. You know? <laughs> Personally, I think there's going to be many blockchains out there. Yeah, you know, like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin. I don't think Bitcoin will ever be dethroned as the as the largest cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And you know, rank number two to number twenty, it's up in the air. We don't know which networks are going to be there. And uh, I think EOS is going to be one of those one of those main networks. But it doesn't mean that Ethereum can't also have it, its use case and Komodo sure. and all these and and all these other blockchains. You know, so I'm not I'm not like a Bitcoin maximalist or EOS maximalist. I think there's going to be many many blockchains out there, and as many and as as many as we can have, the world's going to be a better place for it, in my opinion. Sure, sure, okay. And and tell me before we go into who which organization you're with, what is so great about EOS? Right. So the the incentive structure that uh, Dan Larimer, who's the uh, chief technology officer for for EOS. The incentive structure that he put in place is absolutely amazing. And that's the reason I first invested uh, during the ICO mm-hmm. when I realized this incentive structure. And then that's also why we decided to become a block producer with some friends of mine uh, over a year ago mm-hmm. uh, because we saw the potential of this structure. And um, so far, we've seen we, we, we've seen some of the results where um, a lot of us block producers in the ecosystem We've been working very hard, contributing a lot of value, even while the token prices are very low, where a lot of block producers are maybe around break even mm-hmm. or maybe losing a bit. But we're, we're, we believe in this project so much that we're willing to invest our time right now. Um, and we haven't even seen what block one is going to bring to the table, which should come uh, in June of this year. Okay. So, so, so explain, uh, explain the incentive structure and then... And then we'll look at the, some of the technical aspects of EOS that give it sure. its so, worth. So basically, I'll give a little overview of how the EOS ecosystem is built. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's basically a few players, right? So there's Block One, yep. which is a private, which is a private company uh, led by Dan Larimer, their CTO, and Brendan Bloomer, uh, their CEO, and they're responsible for building the EOS EOS IO platform. Mm-hmm. This platform is open source. And they publish their updates in their GitHub uh, publicly, right? So while the ICO was ongoing, a year-long ICO, a lot of people know that, it raised about $4 billion, the largest ICO in crypto history, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Um, While they were doing this ICO, they were building the EOS IO platform. And what they said is that, you know, come June 2018, we're going to release this platform. But Block One is not going to be the one running the servers, for this network, right? They're building the software and that's it. And they said, they're not gonna be releasing a wallet when the, the network launches. They're not gonna be releasing apps. They're not gonna be building any of the tools. That's up to the community to build it. Right. Some of, probably some of the reasoning behind this was, was probably due to the regulatory uncertainty surrounding the SEC and, and all these securities. And they really didn't wanna be seen. Block One really didn't wanna be seen as promoting EOS IO as a security, mm-hmm. you know, so they didn't offer anything. Basically, when you when you invested in the ICO, it clearly said like 
Block One does not promise to do anything with this software. Block One does not promise that any block producers will want to run this software. Block One does not promise that anyone will build applications, right? So a lot of people were afraid that this was just another ICO scam. Hey guys, look at this disclaimer. They're telling you they're not going to do anything with this code, but really it was to protect themselves legally. So when I when, when I invested in, in the ICO, it was basically a judgment call on Dan Larimer. And I'm like, is this guy looking to get rich and then just abandon the project? Or is he really looking to change the world and, and, and become a billionaire, not in the money sense, but in the having an impact on over a billion people sense, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so I looked into Dan Larimer, watched a lot of his speeches. I really liked the way he thought. I really thought he was dedicated to this project. So I was happy to invest. Um, so then, so then we got this is block one, and then uh, the block producers, which I'm part of uh, one of these block producing teams, we're called EOS Nation. Um, we are the ones that are responsible to put up the servers and run and actually run the network. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that in June of 2018, uh, block one released the EOS IO code on their public GitHub. What the block producers did is we copied that code into the mainnet repo for github and then together we launched a network block one has since been updated uh, updating their code fairly regularly once a week or once every two weeks something like that and what that happens we look at the updates we test it out on our test nets and then we decide okay is this good addition to the main net and then we add it on right so so block one does not control the EOS mainnet. They really don't. And this was this was apparent in the in the beginning of the network um, because there's resources on on the EOS network. There's RAM, there's CPU, and there's net. And the RAM uh, speculation at the beginning of the network went kind of wild. And then Dan Larimer was frustrated because he had he wanted block producers to increase the amount of RAM available, but he couldn't force us to do that. And it was right. up to us to discuss and what do we think is reasonable. And we did eventually decide to increase the amount of RAM. We're increasing it one kilobyte per block, which is about, so, so the network started with 64 gigs of RAM available and we're going to be adding about 64 gigs a year from this point on. Um, so, and, and Dan Larimer, um, you know, voiced his frustration at one point. He's like, man, this is my baby and I can't even control the EOS network, the EOS mainnet. But that was also by design, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of a lot of people accuse EOS of being centralized, right? Yes. There's only 21 block producers that are elected to confirm the blocks. When you compare to the millions of Bitcoin miners or Ethereum miners or whatever. Now, there's distinctions to be made, right? So yeah, there's 21 block producers, but there's maybe only three mining pools for Bitcoin, really. That, that controls over 50% of the hash rate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on EOS, you need 15 out of these 21 block producers to change the network, where on Bitcoin, maybe you only need three of these pools to collude to run a 51% attack. So which one is more decentralized or centralized? It, it depends on your personal preference and, and your definition, you know, of these concepts. Okay. So, so how so just on the centralization so you still got tw- so relative to bitcoin you're saying it's more decentralized it's, but, it's different 
It's different. You know? it, okay. But, but then you still have a lot 21. Of people, a lot of people are like, EOS is not centralized. But nothing is either centralized or decentralized. It's a spectrum, mm-hmm. and different projects have different levels of centralization or decentralization. You okay. Know, um, personally, um, you know, EOS Nation was founded uh, by seven of us mm-hmm. over a year ago, and we're not whales. We don't have millions of EOS sitting, sitting in our account, and we weren't players in the crypto industry before. Right. We, we were new. We were one of the first block producers to put our hands up four months before the network launch and being like, hey, we're a block producer candidate. We're going to be out here every day trying to generate value for the network so that token holders can recognize that and vote for us, right? So um, right now we're ranked number 22nd. We were top 21 last week. We were top 21 for a few months before that. And so, so when people accuse EOS of being centralized, I personally know that it's, it, it's, it's very decentralized because we, we have no stake really we had no connections and we still made it. We still made it by just showing up every day and contributing as much as we could. Right. So okay. To me, to me, that feels very decentralized. Okay. You know? So, any, so any, anybody can set up uh, to be an EOS block producer and then they get voted in. How often does the voting happen? How does it take place? How do people, how do EOS, token hold, EOS coin holders choose? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great question. So, um, if you hold some EOS in your account, let's say you have 100 EOS in your account, you can vote for which block producers you want to have the right to confirm the blocks on the network, mm-hmm. right? So, so EOS is a DPoS network, so that means delegated proof of stake. You know, in proof of work with Bitcoin or Ethereum, for example, there's a there's a math puzzle that miners try to fi- figure out first to have yeah. the right to confirm a block. In EOS, you get a right to confirm a block if you're voted in the top 21 of all block producers. Okay. So right now, there's over 100 block producers that are registered on the network that are trying to bring value to the network in order to get token holders to vote for them. Um, the top 21, like I mentioned, are the ones that are actually confirming the transactions. And currently, there's about 60 standby block producers who... So right now, we're a standby block producer in rank 22, right? We have our hardware, our servers are ready to go. If ever we move into the top 21, we're ready to start producing the blocks. And so there's 60 teams like us across the world. And then Mm -hmm. there's even more teams that are unpaid block producers that are trying to get to that that pay level. So, So as a token holder, it's in your best interest to vote for teams who bring the most value to the network. So, and so as a token holder, you can vote for up to 30 different block producers, right? which which is part of the incentive structure that makes EOS so wonderful to work in. Um, so uh, what, what that does is that, let's say, so, so the block producers, we're competing against each other in the, in the form of we want, we want token holders to vote for us instead of another block producer, because that's how we get our revenue. That's how we get our share of the block rewards, and that's how we pay salaries for our staff, etc. Mm-hmm. However, clearly, all of us block producers, we're working together to make EOS as, as great as possible. So, so we're both collaborators and competitors at the same time. It's called co-opetition, where we're, <laughs> we're competing, but cooperating. Right. And it, and it makes for an absolutely 
unique environment where I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, for, for example, where I'm in Montreal, EOS Canada is also based in Montreal, right? So if we do an event in Montreal, we'll invite EOS Canada over if they want to participate, if they want to give a speech or whatever. And I'm not worried that, that the people who attend our event are going to vote for EOS Canada instead of EOS Nation. Right. Because you can vote for 30 block producers. So it doesn't matter. And what this has, has made is that it's led to a lot of collaborations between block producers and and it's led to an environment where when when someone brings up an idea you know for example um, there there's a there's a small 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 minority of, of people who lost their private keys mm -hmm. during the, during the conversion from the from the ethereum token into the gen into the mainnet launch so we're, we're working on a solution, the lost keys solution, for, to help these people regain access to their account. You know, so the community voiced their concerns, like, hey, we need a solution for that. Who, who's going to make this happen? So EOS Nation, we're like, yeah, we're going to contribute some manpower. Daniel Keys, one of our founders, is kind of the project manager for that, for that project. Another block producer is like, oh, yeah, I'll write the front end for this for this. Uh, software. Oh, I'll write the back end. And so now we're collaborating with six or seven different block producers and we're all building this tool together. We're, we're not going to make money off this tool per se, mm -hmm. but we're going to be able to add that to our resume of, of accomplishments and contributions that we've done for the EOS network. So, so it doesn't feel like we're competing and we're just helping each other. And it's, it's super refreshing in terms of a business environment to operate in. Okay, okay. Now, Stefan, the, the block producers get uh, rewards from, from verifying the transactions. That's right. There's 1% the, one, one inflation in the network yeah. per year that is distributed to the block producers according to how many votes you have. So if you have okay. more votes, you get a bigger chunk of these rewards. Okay. And, and there's a bonus if you're in the top 21 as well. Sure. Now, the EOS coin holders, they vote through their... Um, wallets. I know I've done that through my. I have Simple Wallet where I have my EOS. Yeah, um, but there's no for staking the EOS coins. There's no reward for the EOS coin holders. No. No. Okay. But what I can do is I can go and make a, a get together with a group of other people, and we can become a block producer, and then buy for the elections, which take place on a weekly basis, right? Um, every minute it takes place. Every minute. Every minute. <laughs> Every minute, the rankings is readjusted. So, so, so this pressure, we feel it as a block producer every minute. All right, and so you, you could be 21 by now. Right, yeah, I haven't checked in the last minute. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God, and you dropped to 35. Oh, no, you're number exactly. two now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so if we announce a position or we do something where the token holders do not agree with our position, it only takes them a minute to remove our votes fr from us and remove uh, our salary, basically. Wow. So, so that's part of the incentive structure that, that, that forces these block producers to be on the ball at all times because every minute we can get voted out, which is very different than politicians who have four years to hang out and do decisions so until the token holders can, can actually voice their opinion on if they're doing a good job or not. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's part of the, the incentive structure I was talking about that makes EOS so interesting, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Now, one of the things about EOS is there are, there are no gas fees, but there is payment in RAM. That's right. So when you said there's no benefit to staking, it's not, it's not actually true because that's what you need to do to get those free transactions. Right. So, so when you stake your coins on EOS, you can stake them into either CPU resource, which is the computational resource, or net resource, which is the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so if let's say I have 1% of all the EOS tokens in existence, I stake that into CPU. That means that I'm reserved 1% of the computational power of the network. So, so as the BPs produce on their servers, I get 1% of that capacity. So that's, so that's, the, 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 that's the way around having free transactions, but having a mechanism that will stop spam from happening on the network. Right. So, if, so, so you know, at the, at, the, uh, at the start of the network, there was this account. It would just say a, a message every second, we love Dan Larimer, we love Dan Larimer. And it was using a fair amount of, of the network, but they had their coins staked to give them access to that amount. So, so it's not spam because they have the EOS, they have the, uh, the asset that right. they need in order to do these transactions. So that's, that's the difference between having a fee-based system where the incentive to not spam is because it costs you every time or the, the capacity-based system uh, of EOS. Okay. Now that, that also applies to, to individual coin holders, not just block producers, right? So having all, some of the capacity, yeah, exactly. so I might have one, one billionth of the capacity of, <laughs> yeah. of and that's going to be enough to do most of what you want, unless you're a super heavy user and you're, you're playing a game and, and you're making transactions every second for hours on end, you mm -hmm. know, um, right now the, the capacity of the network is nowhere near max capacity. You know, a few days ago, I think we were running around 60 transactions a second. Last right. I checked. Right. We've okay. At 4,000 transactions a second. So what happens is that when there's extra capacity that's not being used, it's given to people who want it, even if they don't have the stake available. So right. Let's say you have uh, two EOS in your account. Yeah. And, and that allows you to play your game. And you play, let's say, 10 transactions a day. That's fine. And then you, you, you start playing more than that. As long as there's extra capacity on the network, the network will give you extra capacity if it's available. Right. But if everyone starts using the network, then it's reduced down to only your share of the allocation. Right. Okay. Okay. And then, um, so if I send you 10 EOS, or better still, if you send me 1 million EOS, there'll be yeah. no transaction charged, no gas no. fee. I just get... And it happens in 0.5 seconds. So the, so the block time on EOS is 0.5 seconds. And it's really, really cool to see, especially when you're used to Bitcoin, where it takes an hour or, you know, 10, 20 minutes to just see the first confirmation. You know, the first time we were playing around on the EOS and I just click on my computer, I look at my buddy's computer and it's already there. Yeah, you know, it's very cool. quick, now, very quick. And then also there isn't the long, the long, long addresses because it can be a very simple address. So I, so you could send one million EOS to Crypto Rich. To Crypto Rich. Now, I don't have that address, so don't send it there. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so that's another feature of EOS that is is designed for user friendliness, mm -hmm. right? So, so, you've got your account name. It has to be twelve digits, 
right? And then, uh, like, for example, I have mine is Stefan Biss. It's 12 digits. It's my name. That's my account name. So if people want to send me EOS, oh, yeah, send it to Stefan Biss. That's easy. Inside that account, I've got my, my, my public-private key, right? Right. But, but that's only for me. I don't need to share that with people. Um, if I do share my public key, which is fine, right? Well, you, you could look up on an EOS block explorer and see which account is associated to this private, this public key. So then you would see, oh, the account name is Stefan Biss. Here we go. I'll send it. Uh, I'll send it out there. Right. Okay. And then the EOS, uh, what else? it's fast, delayed proof of stake, uh, no gas fees, and then you can right. build applications on top of it. That's right. Yeah. Smart so, contracts, anything that Ethereum can do, EOS can do. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, I'm not a developer, so in the developing weeds, uh, you know, there's I know um, ETH is Solidity, their own programming language, yep. whereas um, uh, EOS is C++, and basically anything that compiles down to WebAssembly. Okay, very good. Pretty much the extent of my knowledge in that department. Um, and um, so, so what happens is that these are programming language that exists outside of the blockchain. So when a, a developer wants to come into the blockchain yeah. space, you know, before they had to learn a new language, Solidity. So for example, at one of our meetups, you know, we, we meet, meet this guy, he's building this app on Ethereum, took him two months to learn Solidity, took him two months of trying to build his app to realize that gas fees would be prohibited for his use case. Then he came to our meetup. He's like, "What about EOS? Can I go on EOS?" We're like, "Yeah, sure. No fees. This is how it works." Blah blah. He's like, "Wow, that's probably much better for my app." So then he converted over to EOS. And he was kind of, you know, ticked off that he had spent two months learning this new programming language that now he wasn't actually going to use. Right. So, so that's one of the uh, features of EOS that's going to allow to onboard developers that are are familiar with C into EOS. Okay. Um, Okay, very good, very good. Now, now, and I understand a lot of, or some, I don't know how many, Ethereum-based projects are moving over to EOS because of the problems with Ethereum, with the bloat and yeah. the uh, transaction costs. Do you want to say capacity. something about that and the capacity? So anything else about EOS that we haven't covered that why they would move over? Um, it's easy to uh, edit your smart contract. Right, so so when you upload a smart contract on Ethereum, mm. that's it. you can't change it anymore, right? If you change your code, you need to upload again, from what I understand. While, while as on EOS, you can just modify, you can quickly modify the contract, and again, there's no fees associated to those transactions, so it it, it allows for more uh, flexibility. And um, also, I'm not sure how this works on Ethereum, but on EOS, you can publish your 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 application as either open source or closed source, depending. Right. On depending on your needs and depending on the type of application. Right. So, okay. so, so some, so these are some of the, the advantages um, of building on, on EO, EOS. Okay. Now the other thing is, is the airdrops. So I bought EOS during the, during the ICO. Yeah. And when I last looked in my wallet, cause I mostly just huddle, there were yeah. all these other tokens. Uh, Everipedia, I think, was one, and there's yeah. others I can't remember. What what can I do with them? Um, so you can keep holding and see which of these projects are actually going to deliver on their promise. Mm -hmm. I assume most won't, like any 
anywhere in the crypto space. You know, we've got a lot of projects coming up. Most are not going to make it. Some will, and some will become super valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's some decentralized exchange that exists on EOS right now, like uh, NewDex.io, which is the one that I've been using a lot. And so you can just walk through your account, you just log into NewDex, and then you could sell your, your EOS tokens for more EOS if you want. Okay. Um, so, so that's one thing you, you can keep holding. Uh, you can send them to me, Stefan Biss, if you want. Don't <laughs> <laughs> do any transaction. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll send you all of them. You send me the million EOS and okay, we'll okay, call it quits. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. And then, and then what else What else about EOS that we haven't covered? You think is important to cover? Yeah, so um, I'll touch on a few common FUD you know, attacks that are, are leveraged against EOS. You know, we all we often uh, hear a fear of cartels within EOS because delegated proof of stake is a system where the more the more more tokens you have, mm-hmm. the more power you have in the network to choose who the validators or the block producers are going to be. Um, so now, right now, if you look at the top twenty-one, you'll see about uh, half or a bit more than half are Asian block producers. Right. Some people think, oh, is there an Asian cartel going on that's going to control the network? I personally don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, Our CEO, Yves Larose, has gone to Asia three times, actually, to meet with these players. And and some some of the disconnect between, let's say, the English-speaking EOS community and the Asian community is part of language barrier issues, you know, And, and also cultural differences. You know, um, in Asia, it's very common to, to give gifts to people. If someone does something for you, you know, it, it's always uh, always expected to, to receive a gift. So so there is more uh, leniency towards vote trading mm-hmm. in, in Asia, I think. But it doesn't mean that they're trying to undermine the network. It might just be a function of, of that culture. Right. And so, and bottom line... If, if there would be a cartel that would control EOS and then they would use their power to modify the network in a way that advantages them at the cost of everyone else, it's going to be evident on the blockchain. You know, all the actions are public, transparent. So it would be very easy to see, hey, the EOS mainnet, there, there, there's a cartel, they made this decision, it goes against the community, it goes against the well of the network. People are just going to leave if that's the case. So right. these cartels are not... There's no incentive for them to, to manipulate the network because everyone would leave. And the thing with, and, and, and one of the defense mechanisms for EOSIO against this is that EOSIO is open source. If the mainnet it, it, it gets uh, taken over by a nefarious group, we can just launch a new version of the chain, right? right. So, so right now, there's many different EOSIO chain uh, networks out there. There's the mainnet, which is the biggest one, which has the EOS token. Um, there's Telos, which is which was launched a few months after the mainnet, and they modified a few uh, of the of the features of EOS IO for their network. So, for example, um, they started off with the same Genesis snapshot mm-hmm. as the EOS mainnet, except that they 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 cap the accounts at forty thousand tokens. So, if you have a million tokens for the Genesis account on the EOS mainnet, on Telos you only have forty thousand. Right. And this this was done in order to reduce the impact of whales on the network. They wanted a more 
fair distribution among more users, right? So Telos, that was their approach. Now, I'm not placing a judgment call on if that's good or bad. That's just what they, they chose to do. Warbly is another EOSIO network. They've gone with the route of uh, mandatory KYC if you mm -hmm. want an account on this EOSIO network. That's their thing. They're going to be more aiming aiming at financial services and, and those types of applications. And there, there's about seven or eight more of these EOSIO networks right now that exist out there. So there's the mainnet and there's these all these other EOSIO networks. So if the mainnet gets compromised for whatever reason, maybe one of these other EOSIO networks is going to become the dominant network. And then the, the cartel that was being nefarious to the mainnet, they don't have their same that power in these other networks. Right. That's one that's one of the ways that EOS could defend itself. I really don't think that's gonna happen. Um, you know, um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, so, so that's that's how that works. And then also the spreading of these EOSIO networks, once inter-blockchain communication is enabled, because they're all built on the same technology, it's gonna be easy for these networks to communicate together mm -hmm. and possibly do IBC into blockchain communication, sending tokens from one network to the other. Um, so, so that's super exciting and, you know, who knows how it's going to play out. Um, this year, we saw a lot of these uh, secondary EOSIO networks pop up. These different teams have different ideas. They're working very hard on building. Um, I feel like over the next year, we're probably going to see some of these networks uh, drop out because of low usage and low adoption. But I'm sure some will become popular. Um, okay. And, yeah. Okay. And then the last piece of FUD I want to address, actually, yes. before I forget, is people often claim that EOS has reverse transactions. You know, it's not a blockchain right. because block producers can reverse a transaction. That's not true. Uh, the block producers cannot reverse a transaction. Um, however, if However, 15 out of 21 block producers, if they agree, they can force a transaction on the network. So in a sense, I guess we could reverse the transaction in the sense that we're for forcing tokens to move, but we've never done that. That's right. never happened on the EOS network. Um, the and most it would that's take... happened so far yep. is a blacklist. So there was, there was this hack that happened. They transferred the tokens out to a bunch of accounts. And we blacklisted those accounts. So, so that what that does is that every block producer checks against that blacklist when they have a transaction coming. Hey, is this one of these accounts? If so, ignore that transactions for now. So, um, so, so that's that's what happened so far. Um, and there was a there, there was a request to change the keys of an account at one point mm -hmm. because the person is like, hey, I lost my keys. This is my account. I can prove it by, by proving through the Ethereum address that's linked to this Genesis account, etc. But the but the block producers refused to change that ownership key because we thought that would set a bad precedent, and we don't want to be messing with the blockchain in that way. Right. We want to establish a precedent that no, you know, uh, we won't change keys of, of anyone under any circumstances, and. Um, and, and the blacklist situation is being resolved uh, in the next few weeks, probably. We have a new constitution that's being voted on right now. Mm -hmm. um, it needs 15 out of the top 21 block producers to approve it. We're at 13 right now, so probably in the next few days it, it'll get approved. And then this will make clear the expectations that, um, you know, if you get hacked, too bad, so sad. 
we're not going to come in and enforce the blockchain to, to undo the hack to protect people's uh, coins. That is slightly different than the story that was being told before the network launched when we were anticipating an arbitration system that mm -hmm. would help uh, token holders that get their keys compromised. But that has not been successful. It has not been effective. And we're moving away from that model to a model where the arbitration will happen on the application level where every user will have to agree, hey, yeah, I use this application. I agree that this application might do arbitration if something happens. But unless you agree to arbitration, you know, uh, the, the, the block producers are not going to affect your keys or and ownership of your accounts. Okay, but does that mean that block producers have access to the keys, to the private keys that they could... We don't have access to the keys, but we have... Uh, sudo which is like a super user access where we could null your keys right or we could change your keys so, okay so we don't have access to your keys but but it would take and it would take a 15 out of 21 which is like a the, the, the possibility to change people's keys is there we've never used it and we're actually discussing removing that option altogether from the source code right okay it's not something we want to do it's not something the community wants us to do um, so, so, so that's where I think is going now. This is not done yet. Um, but even to reverse the transactions or lock them, which would happen in the, say, if an exchange got hacked or something, then it still takes 15 out of 21 block producers to agree to that, which is, uh, it, takes, it takes 15 out of 21 to, to null a key on an account, something we've never done. Yeah. The blacklist system is a blacklist that lives locally on each block producer's machine. Right. So we all agree, hey, this list of 30 accounts, everyone put in the blacklist. Now, there was um, an issue a few weeks ago where a new block producer got into the top 21, did not have the blacklist activated, and some accounts were able to transfer. Because when that block producer was producing, those uh, th that filter wasn't there. So that caused a lot of drama in our community. And since then, that block producer has been kicked out of the top 21. Right. And now they're, they're in the mid-30s or something. So the token holders saw that a block producer was not on the ball, and they instantly, one minute later, removed their votes, kicked out that block producer from the top 21. So 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 that's how we see the governance in action in, in EOS, which is delegated proof of stake, which is the token holders decide which block producers get to, to confirm blocks. If the block producers do something that the community doesn't like, they're out of there. Okay, very good. Very good. And then um, if somebody wanted to get involved with EOS, how, how would they do that? Because there's so many block producers. You know, is there different telegram groups for the different block producers or one telegram group? Um, so, so there is a one massive 60,000 people telegram group just called EOS. Uh, you can find that one. Uh, a lot of the block producers have telegram groups as well. We, we're, we're very active across all social media. So... Uh, I'm responsible for our social media at EOS Nation, so we, we're very active on Telegram, Facebook, Twitter. Look us up on there. Uh, if you have some Asian community watching, we're also on Weibo, WeChat, Bihu, which are some of the Asian social networks. So you can definitely look up uh, EOS Nation, and we'll keep you updated on everything that's going on. Uh, we publish a weekly article called the EOS Hot Sauce, mm -hmm. where we highlight various things that happened in the last week that are good for the ecosystem. 
Uh, we also publish our EOS Nation newsletter every week, which highlights some of the things that we're doing to contribute uh, to the ecosystem. Right, so okay. If I can touch a bit about uh, on the value that EOS Nation brings uh, to the ecosystem. So you can, in one second, Stefan, one second, because sure. I just want to let people know I'll have all those links, or maybe not all those links, but the yeah. principal ones in the description below. And then I want to awesome. you can say what you know, the difference that EOS Nation, like an EOS political sure. broadcast. Exactly. So, so in the top 21, so, so block producers come in different styles and shapes and sizes, mm -hmm. right? Some are very focused on technical contributions to the network, right? We, uh, we started out with seven co-founders and we only had uh, Denis Carriard, our CTO, as a technical person on the team, mm -hmm. which is, which is uh, rare for a block producer because usually it's focused on technical people, right? Yeah. What that allowed us to do is allowed us to become a leader in community building. So we built uh, the ambassador program, which I manage as well. So right now we have almost 20 ambassadors all over the world. So these are volunteers that are passionate about EOS and they want to teach their local community. And then, so we bring them on our team. Um, I help them make sure they're experts, make sure they're up to date on the latest knowledge. Uh, I, I help them build their presentations and we support them financially for their meetup costs mm -hmm. so that they go out there and teach their, their community. So that's, so that's a pretty unique uh, selling feature for, for Yacht Nation, if you want. And then, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're seven co-founders, which is more than most block producing teams, which has allowed us to contribute a lot because we've got seven guys working full-time every day at this point, right? So we've got Eve, our CEO, who's super active in the governance discussion. You'll find them in over 100 Telegram chats and, you know, being a thought leader in terms of, of governance. Uh, we have Daniel Keyes, who's been involved, like I said, in the Lost Keys project. He was also the project manager for the referendum. Mm -hmm. So that was another, so the referendum was another project that combined a lot of block producers together to build this tool for the community. Um, okay. So, so uh, we've been super active. Uh, I compiled, I compiled our, our list of events that we've done in the last year. Yeah. So we've hosted 70 meetups, our team. So between the founders and our ambassadors, we've hosted 70 meetups and we've attended 46 other events or podcasts um, where other people organize the event and we're there as a speaker or as a contributor, as a panelist, stuff like that. So, so in, in just about a year, we've hosted or contributed to over 110 events. Wow. It's like once every three days, someone from Yas Nation is somewhere in the world educating people on, what, on what's going on. Okay, so, so this isn't, this isn't just proud. in Canada, but all over. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, we have, uh, we have our community manager, Martin, in Asia. He's been doing a fantastic job. He was an ambassador for us at first. And then when Eve traveled to Asia, uh, you know, Martin helped him out. And so, so he, we upgraded him to a paid community manager for Asia. Now we've got also three interns that he's managing out there. Mm -hmm. um, we've got ambassadors in 12 or 13 different countries. We've got founders in Canada and the States. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're very global and it's been a fantastic ride. For me, like, you know, in 2017, I was kind of a one-man crypto evangelist mm -hmm. talking with my friends and family. Now I'm leading a team of 20 ambassadors who are doing kind of the same thing all over the world 
So, so it's like I can amplify my message even more at this point. Um, so Fabulous. It, it, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure for me um, to be able to find work doing what I love, really. Although the salary is very minimal right now um, because as the Yacht Nation, we're, we're investing all, we're investing back into the company, back into hiring key people. We've got developers now on staff. Uh, we invested a lot in our bare metal servers, mm -hmm. you know, so at first we started on the cloud, but, you know, at one point, more than half of the block producers in the top 21 were running on Amazon, not very decentralized. Amazon shuts us down, you know, that's not good. So, but uh, that was at early stages of the network. Now, most top 21 block producers have merged over to bare metal, which we have as well. Um, so, so. We're fine with not making much salary as founders right now because we believe in the future of EOS and yep. we just want to establish ourselves as a long-term player in this ecosystem. Okay. And, you know. Okay, now talking about the future. Um, so I have some EOS. Should I sell my EOS for something well, this else? Is investment advice, <laughs> but there's a lot coming for EOS. In oh, okay. Tell us what's I'm coming. <laughs> I added a bit recently because I'm just too hyped on EOS. My job right now is to, to check out all the news and, and spread it on our social network. So every day, I just get bombarded with great updates from EOS. And I'm like, wow, I think I should buy more EOS. But anyways. That's so, not investment advice. That's just what you're doing, right? So that's what's, what I'm doing. What's, I'm caught up in the hype. <laughs> I'm caught up with all the good news. And so that's what I did. Um, recently... Uh, so, so a lot of criticism has been uh, launched at Block One because they haven't released much since they since the network launched almost a year ago. Right. Uh, you know, so they've announced that they're going to be doing annualized product launches in the similar fashion that Apple is doing, where they get a conference once a year, they announce their new products. So that's been announced for June first. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there's a lot of hype that's building. Um, if your viewers are interested in more speculation about what's coming on June 1st, I would recommend a great podcast by Everything EOS, episode mm -hmm. 58. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Zach, the host, did some research, connecting some thoughts, speculating on what could be coming. You know, we saw some uh, some recent job openings for a, for an office in Northern Virginia, which is in Washington, D.C. And we know that Brendan Bloomer has been doing a lot of meetings with, with various uh players in the U.S. government. So they're apparently they're establishing a new headquarters right there in Washington, D.C. What does that mean? Is there collaboration with the U.S. government coming? Um, we don't know. But there's a lot of speculation going on, and uh, I expect this hype to build in the coming months. Um, so, so, so Dan said recently, he's like, yeah, we're getting the small news out of the way, mm -hmm. and then we're saving all the big stuff for June 1st. And he's like, if June you want me... If you want mainstream media to pick up your news, you need to pack a lot in there, right? Okay. So June the first. June the first. There's a there's a conference. The the room is booked already. They've invited the journalists. Um, I'll be tuning in. I've cleared my schedule for the whole week, uh, and, and it's it's going to be super exciting for sure. Okay. So a big big EOS announcement with their four yeah. billion dollars in their in their treasury chest. They're going to use it for something. And we're going to find out what that something is on June the 1st. Exactly. They've hired over 100 developers in the last year. Wow. So they have, a, they have an army of developers working on their products right now. They have not shown anything yet. Um, 
you know, we were, me, me and Daniel, we were in uh, Anarchapulco recently, mm-hmm. uh, two months ago, and then we, uh, we met one of the developers from, uh, from Block One, and, and, you know, we were having lunch with them, and then Daniel tried to, like, yeah, so what are you working on uh, these days? <laughs> nah, Zim. Not saying anything. didn't give us any hints, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they've got ironclad NDAs um, that they've signed and stuff, so. Okay. Um, we'll see. Uh, yesterday, they, uh, they, Block One announced a new hire, an ex-Google employee that's going to be their chief security officer. Uh, they announced um, EOSIO Labs, which is going to, which is means they're open sourcing some of the, the work they've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one example of, of what they Stefan, sorry, Stefan, one second. For the, I want to know if if you're watching this, please put a comment. What do you think it might be that Block One are going to announce on June the first? What do you think it might be, and then also, what do you think it definitely won't be? Yeah, exactly. So I, I can give you one thing that it definitely won't be. They, yeah. they said it yesterday. So people have been waiting for the block one wallet because they don't necessarily trust a third party like uh, Simple EOS. We haven't heard anything bad from that wallet. But if you're a whale with millions of EOS, are you going to really trust Simple EOS or are you going to wait for the official block one wallet? Right? right. A lot of people were waiting for the block one wallet. However, right now there's like six six or seven really good wallets out there, you know? If Block One was to release its own wallet, it would steal a lot of customers from those wallets, right? Yeah. Which would be which would be really annoying to, to, to these companies who've been building, you know, critical pieces of the EOS uh, ecosystem. So so what Block One has uh, announced is that they're gonna open source their code for their wallet. Right. So that Instead of just having the block one wallet that's super secure built by the, the team of engineers, they're going to open source the code so that all the wallets can incorporate it, making all the wallets super secure and not creating this war between wallets and the block one wallets and, you know, trying to steal users and stuff like that. Sure. So, I think, so, so you know, the reaction has been mixed. Some people were, were waiting for that block one wallet. They're like, oh man, uh, you know. But I think long term, this is the better play because it's going to increase the security of all the wallets out there. Um, Very so that's good. One, one of the speculations that, hey, is the block one wallet coming? Is it not? Um, you know, is a unique identifier for blockchain coming? Dan has been talking a lot about that. Um, you know, Dan has also been talking a lot about Steam 3.0, a new micro, a new social network where you get rewarded for your content mm-hmm. uh, but without the problems that Steemit has encountered. Um, you know, maybe uh, they've mentioned they've been ta- uh, working on a decentralized exchange, a stable coin. Um, there's been a lot of rumors floating out there and uh, yeah we're super excited to see what, what comes from it we, we shall find out we shall find stefan is there anything else you want to let us know before we finish up anything we haven't uh, covered yeah do your own research uh look us up on social media join the conversations on telegram uh all the block producers are there to help people if you have questions super friendly environment and uh yeah and reach out personally to me if you have questions my email is stefan at eosnation.io and I'm super happy to educate, uh, you know, the, wi- the wider crypto community on what EOS is building and what, what's coming for EOS. Great. Listen, Stefan, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again nearer June the 1st. Or if there's anything, any special announcement, reach out to me and I'll see what we can do, what I can do. Yeah. And I really, really want to thank you for taking the time out for 
recording this with me and for those of you that are watching if you have any comments or questions put them in the descri description below and then subscribe and notification bell and all that other business and between now and when I see you next please keep filling your pockets with EOS profits this is Crypto Rich and Crypto Stefan signing out all the best bye 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 everyone